Hello, this is Larry Dobrow. I'm the senior editor of MM&M, and we're here today with actually a very cool and very special version of the MM&M podcast. Um, so many times when we're talking about pharma marketing and healthcare marketing, you know, we talk about the conveyance of warmth. We talk about the conveyance of information, especially risk information. Um, we don't often think, or not often enough, think about the people who do the conveying. So today we are here with two experienced and excellent voice artists. We have Debbie Irwin and we have Joey Sa- Shalio. 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 Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> right. Of course, I, I say that before the thing, and then you know I come in and I blow it. So thank you guys both so much for being here today. You bet. Thanks for having uh, us. We'd love to talk a little bit about your careers doing this, um, about what's worked, how you came to this point, and. Um, what it's like to work with pharma. You know, certainly we hear a lot about pa- from patient communities. We don't hear from your side of the equation, and we're looking forward to talking about it. Cool. All right. So I guess the first question, and I'd love to get both of your answers on this, your background. Uh, tell us a little bit about it, um, kind of how you came to be where you are today. You want to? St- sure, I'll go ahead. Um, so I have, an, I have an acting background. Um, I came to New York uh, and got my MFA in acting. And when I graduated from graduate school, I was auditioning for anything and everything I could. And uh, my first little taste of success came in live event announcing and voiceover. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I said, well, follow the success, right? Who keeps hiring you? <laughs> Let's keep doing keep that. Keep going back to the chat. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's kind of how I came into voiceover. Um, and specifically pharma, again, very similar. That's, you know, who was hiring me, um, along with, uh, you know, commercial and, and, uh, technical narration, e-learning, uh, corporate narration, those kinds of things. But, um, you know, you start to see patterns in what your voice is well suited for and what your delivery style is well suited for and, uh, medical narration and, and pharma, um, it turned out I was a pretty good fit for. And, and so that's, who was hiring me and just kept kept kind of focusing on that type of work. Um, Debbie, how about you? Uh, well, a somewhat similar trajectory, although a little bit longer in uh, uh, in on the on the time scale since mm-hmm. I'm uh, uh, just a wee bit older than Joey. But uh, I also have a background in theater, and that was why I came to New York. Um, quite a few decades ago to pursue that that passion and that dream. And as a 20-something-year-old, uh, uh, struggled like every other yeah. 20-something-year-old looking mm-hmm. for looking for work. And after a couple of years of doing that, I was like, okay, been there, done that. I've exorcised this, this dream, this passion. I'm ready to move on with my life. I'm ready to uh, have a, a regular job. I'm ready to get a regular paycheck. And I'm ready to have some structure in my life. A few things that even today, I think artists, uh, you know, actors, is something that you don't experience. So I went to work at the Guggenheim Museum, and I worked there for a few years in PR and special events. And after that, I decided to go to Wall Street and learn about finance and help other women understand finance. Uh, And after uh, a successful career there, I left Wall Street for Sesame Street, as I say in quotes, (laughs) because I decided to start having kids. And I raised three kids in the city um, with, uh, you know, so three kids and fortunate to have a couple of, you know, residences. I'm here in the city. I'm also up in the Berkshires, a bevy of pets and the same husband after, you know, many, many years. So after a while, I was searching for, okay, what's next? And um, I found a class in voiceover and I really didn't know anything about it. And I wish I had known back in 1980 when I came, what voiceover was all about. But within five minutes of this class and holding a script in my hand, I knew I'd found it, that there I was, you know, acting again, which was what I really wanted to do. And ironically, you know, all those different things that I'd done since I came to New York 
to pursue that dream have helped me to be successful where I am today. So the wheels come full circle. I just didn't know, you know, it was going to look like this, but I'm, you know, living my dream. So, uh, and all those different things, you know, working in the museum and working on Wall Street, those have helped me to be successful. And those are kind, some of the other work that I do is museum audio tours and a lot of financial work, but, you know, they, they're sort of similar in quality and tone to uh, the work that Joey and I do in medical narration. Actually, that leads me right into my next question. I think you've just answered it. But um, it, what about your past professional history informed what you're you know, doing in terms of voiceover artistry? Um, what were some of the lessons that you learned along the way? What were some of the things not to do that you learned along the way? Well, I think that the, the, the job that I had that helped me to be the most successful today is the time I spent on Wall Street, because you have to um, build your own business, your own book of, of clients. And, you know, unlike when I was working at Dean Witter and Smith Barney, where you step into an infrastructure and basically, you know, plug in. Yeah, you have to find the clients. You have to build that. But you've got all the marketing done for you. You've got, you know, the desk is there for you. All, all of those sort of structural components are, are there. But as a solopreneur, and especially nowadays, given the, um, you know, the impact of the internet, you have to do it all yourself. So you're not only the talent, you're not only the director, your IT, your sales, your marketing, your accounting. Uh, help me, Joey. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, all, all of those things, right? Um, and and I, uh, similar to Debbie, I had always been an employee um, and this voiceover business, which is what we have, um, it was the first time of me being an entrepreneur. And you really do have to look at it that way um, and, you know, and love your clients just like any other business would love their clients and stay top of mind and, um, you know, treat them like family, really. Um, but yeah, Debbie's right. We wear so many hats, not only uh, on the business side as well as like we're the marketing, we're the HR, we're the, you know, we deal with health benefits and, you know, all of that stuff for ourselves. The nice um, I, right, know, kind right. of HR component. Yeah, too. right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, we are also on the audio perspective, a lot of the times we're our own engineer as well, um, not just the talent uh, and director and, and, and sometimes uh, you know, copy editor, if you find, uh, you know, some mistakes and stuff and you have to talk, you know, touch base with the client to see, is this right? Or, you know, did you mean it this way? Um, so there's a lot of hats you wear uh, in this role for sure. Um, along those lines, um, the technology that's available today, the ability to do this in probably a smaller space and without, you know, reel-to-reel -reel tapes and everything else, does that make the job easier or does that make the job almost a little trickier? Because like both of you have just said, there's so many different other roles that you have to play yeah. that maybe in the past were taken care of by some other existing infrastructure? Yeah, I think it's it's both. The answer is both because it's easier in a sense that, yes, it's easy to get the equipment, the, 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 um, the entry bar is much lower. Um, you know, you can uh, sit in a walk-in closet that's padded for sound, you know, <laughs> and do this. But it's more difficult in that you do have to be more than just the talent. You do have to be your own IT department. You do have to figure out how these things work. You do have to do your own editing a lot of the time or, or you know, figure out what a phone patch session, how that will work in your, in your walk-in closet, you know. Um, so it's, it's both. It's, the, the barrier to entry is low, but once you're there, 
you're on your own. There's, there is no engineer that will just, you know, run over and figure it out for you or anything like that. Um, so another, yeah. another comment too, is that, um, because the barrier to entry is so low, there's a tremendous amount of competition yeah. now yeah. globally that there wasn't before. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate what's happened in our industry, but it's happened really across most industries. And that's, a disintermediation, so a a, a a a condensing of all of the various roles. So no longer, so someone who's looking to hire talent can immediately find that talent. It's direct, as opposed to in the past where you had to go through an agent mm-hmm. and you had to have mm-hmm. a casting director. And all of those people play really important roles. As a even though you know it's it's wonderful to to deal directly with a client, have them find you through organic search, say on on the internet. You know, it's great to have all of these other people helping you because there's synergy um, that happens when you're working with a lot of different people. When you have some, when you have a director to pull out a performance mm-hmm. in you, when you have a, a casting director who knows what you're capable of, knows what the client is hoping to hear, and can direct you to deliver that performance. So it's, you know, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, that we don't have as many of the players all the time. They're still there. There are still casting directors and still agents. Um, and I think it's also different if you're in New York or L.A. versus a number of the cities uh, in between. Um, in New York and L.A., there's a lot more that yeah. happens in person in other studios uh, as opposed to you know folks who are uh, in what they call the flyover states. Yes. <laughs> and they're pretty much in their booths on their own. Yeah. Um, you know, when um, our digital editor, Mickey, who's right over there recording the call, of course, nobody can see him. When he um, put together the story, that was one of the things that really surprised me. The fact that there is this almost, you know, kind of solo component that I don't think a lot of people associate with this particular job. Um, what, what are some of the other misperceptions about being a voiceover artist? Um, what are some of the things people get right? What are some of the people things, uh, what are some of the things people get wrong, sometimes to hilarious effect? <laughs> It's easy. It's just talking. Right, you're just right? talking. Could you're do just it. reading. Right. We're just people. Talking? We're just I looking at a page. I talk all day long. I've been talking for 25 years or 40 years, 50 years. I've been talking. It's a piece you know. Of cake. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that it surprises a lot of people um, when they try it. How hard it actually is um, to make, especially in medical narration and pharma, to make really complicated text sound casual and conversational. Um, that is definitely even among voiceover talent. That's an elevated skill set. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's one of the mis- misconceptions is that it's just easy. It's just reading. It's just talking. Mm-hmm. I talk all day. Um, a, I, a lot of people don't even know what voiceover is. Like you'd be amazed how many times uh, someone asks me what I do, and I say I'm a voiceover actor, and they kind of cock their head and they're like, "What is what? What is that? What is voiceover?" Um, or they just assume it's cartoons and commercials. Um, <laughs> like they forget about. Uh, you know the the HR video they had to watch, or the <laughs> or the these you know, disembodied the voices that are right. coming on top of the content that they're right. seeing every exactly. hour of every day. Exactly. Right? So uh, so yeah, a lot of the time is actually just explaining what that is and what we do for a living, for sure. 
Do you prefer voiceover actor? Do you prefer voiceover artist? What's the preferred? That's the $64,000 yeah. question. So, you know, <laughs> if you could tell me which this comes higher in the Google search, that's what yeah, right. Yeah, really. That's, that's SEO the rules our universe. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you spell voiceover? Is it right. two words? Is it hyphenated? Is, is it, it one word? word? Is it, you know, yeah. so. We'll, we'll uh, consult all, with the style the guide and, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, all of the above is yeah. the answer. Yeah, I usually refer to it. If it is somebody that's outside of the industry, I call myself a voiceover actor because at least the actor part, they kind of understand. Um, if it's within the industry, I almost always refer to myself as a voiceover talent because we are a piece of the puzzle. And like when I show up to a job and I check in with the receptionist at a production studio, I always say I'm the talent for the for the commercial that's being produced. And that's how they refer to us as well. So uh, within the industry, I refer to myself as a voiceover talent. Wow. And outside the industry, I refer to myself as a voiceover actor. And outside of the country, the term is actually, they use speaker more often than voice actor or or voice talent. Which, at least from our perspective, broadens it considerably. Yeah. You know, your speaker can be the person up on stage. It can be the person, you know, in the background, whatever else. So huh. Right. Um, moving on to how you guys got involved with um, pharma. Um, tell us about your, I'd love to get both of your answers on this, um, your first experience working in the healthcare slash pharmaceutical realm. Um, what were some of the highlights of it? Um, what were some of the uh, learnings that came away from it? Hmm. I, I have a hard time remembering. I mean, I've been first I was going to say, you've probably done this a couple of yeah, times. They, they kind of all blend together. But uh, I, I know that I'm sure my initial uh, few jobs were probably um, like explaining a lot of products and or procedures. Um, so while a lot of people think of pharma as the ads they see on television, and that is certainly part of it. Um, I would say the overwhelming majority of it is the other stuff. It's, it's, educational, it's the materials. educational materials for not only patients, but also uh, professionals within the industry, right? So uh, I can specifically remember one of my first videos, the director saying, so you're talking to nurses and they want you to sound like you've been in the trenches with them, right? So this isn't, you're not a, a caring, compassionate nurse talking to a patient. You're a colleague talking to fellow nurses about getting this job done. Um, and so that was a very different tone that I took than if I were, you know, if my final audience were patients. And then another video, he said, um, okay, this is going to doctors, so you need to sound smart. <laughs> you need right. to sound intelligent, like you know what you're talking about. Um, and that also affects your, your delivery in terms of your pacing, right? Yeah. If, you know, because if you're too slow and pedantic, you know, the people will be in, insulted. It's like, I, you know, I know what right. these words are. You don't have to, you know. But if you're speaking to a patient, and also how old is that patient? If it's a child or if it's, uh, you know, someone who's older and and their ability to absorb that information is not as as quick or as sharp as someone who is, you know, a middle-aged person or whatever in their 20s. Then you have to bear that in mind also, the way you, you know, you deliver the, you know, the message. Um, is there any specialty training that you get as part of doing, you know, pharma or healthcare-related work? Um, is there somebody who says, all right, you know, read this or refer to like a certain piece of work or anything like that? Or is it pretty much just, you know, you work within the confines of the assignment and go from there? Pretty much within the confines yeah. of the assignment. Yeah. Knowing who you're talking to is really important. And this is a, you know, medical narration is a, is a very specific um, subsection of voiceover work. And it's a, a genre that not all, not all voice actors are interested in doing. And certainly, not capable of yeah. doing because, um, you know, you have to have a proficiency for technical 
language, tongue-twisting terminology. It has to be able to roll off the tongue. You have to be articulate um, in a way that perhaps if it's just, if, if you're doing a commercial ad or something else, that, you know, where they don't want quite such articulation. Um, so there's a, and, and because the content itself is often very dense, as, you know, especially yeah. if it's, you know, peer-to-peer, -peer, if you're talking to, if you're doing a, an MOA or an MOD, you know, a, a video, an animation showing the mechanism of action of how a drug works or the mechanism of disease, um, you know, that, that content can be very, um, uh, well, I, I just use the, the yeah. term dense. Dense, dense yeah. is correct. Um, <laughs> you know, and it takes, you, you have to have a level of intelligence, sort of natural intelligence, to be able to understand what it is that they're saying. Because sometimes the sentences are very long, and you've got phrases that are qualifying phrases, and you need to be able to figure out, okay, what's referring to what here in this sentence? So, And you don't always get the punctuation um, that helps you indicate that. Uh, I would say a lot of technical writing... Um, they, when it's written, the, the author just, you know, writes it as they understand it. But as someone who has never read these terms or phrases or even these ideas before, uh, punctuation, commas, uh, are so important to let us know what, what are concepts and ideas that should be linked together. Right. Is this a list? Is a, is a list of many pairs of things like it, punctuation is incredibly important. I always refer to it as think of it like sheet music. You're giving us sheet music and the punctuation uh, tells us how to play the music. Um, when it's just a huge run on sentence, it can be really tricky figuring out how the author intended you to read it. Yeah, even beyond that, sometimes I recommend to, to my clients that they should have a, a key, like a key at the bottom of a map, so that beyond the punctuation, you can also have certain words in bold or in italics, mm -hmm. or if you use an ellipsis, which a lot of people do, do you really want us to pause there? Or like in the case of a... Um, of a storyboard, an ellipses will will be present, but it does, doesn't necessarily mean that the text is supposed to be, you know, paused there. And the other point I wanted to make is that when uh, people are writing scripts, and this really doesn't matter what the genre is, but in particular with technical content, um, how people write for reading is very different than how one should write for speaking. Mm -hmm. And yep. a lot of times. Uh, writers don't speak their scripts out loud, and especially if you're concerned about, you know, the time that you have, like if, if it's supposed to be a two-minute video, I had this happen once, and it ended up being seven minutes, and they were like, uh, whoops, I'm like, did nobody bother to, to, to read this script? Yeah, back you know. to the editing. <laughs> Um, so I was like, yeah, I can do it faster, faster, faster. But at some point it's, <laughs> <you know? laughs> and I don't think anybody's going to be are, are, are clients receptive to comments that you make along those lines? I mean, are they willing to be like, all right, you know, this is a better way or that, well, you know, just do what's on the page. Well, uh, that's, it, it depends. You know, you have to have the relationship with someone where they know you and trust you and mm -hmm. value you know, your insight, but especially when it comes to medical content, the the scripts have gone through so many layers of approval and review, medical legal review, mm -hmm. MLR, mm -hmm. and once that happens, you cannot touch a word. You can't even, even though they want, want it to sound more conversational, which means that you would take two words such as... Uh, it is. It is, yeah. and say it's. Right. You would want to make a conjunction. No, 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 you can't. You really have to read it exactly as it is on the page. Um, how frustrating is that for the two of you as, you know, as people that have done this for a long time, also as people who 
actually can converse. I mean, when you sit there and, you know, you wind up reading these blocks of text that become so leaden. I mean, how, how do you fight back against that impulse to shorten, speed up, slow down? It's just one of the, right? Yeah, you don't. It's just one of the skills that you have. And so yeah. you have to be cognizant because, you know, someone, and this kind of gets back to your earlier question about, you know, what are some of the misconceptions? Some of the misconceptions are that it's, it's easy. But you have to have a level of awareness about what it is that's coming out of your mouth so that you can hear, oh, did I just make a conjunction there where I shouldn't have? Am I slurring two words together? You know, there are just so many little things that most people aren't even aware of that takes, you know, I say the ear is a muscle and it takes time to develop that muscle so that you can hear all the little nuances. And then, of course, as a performer, you also have to throw that out the window mm -hmm. because you don't want to be in your head when you're performing. But nevertheless, you still have to just have that little ear to know, oops, you know, I made a mistake and go back and pick it up. Or, gee, I said, I think I said that as a, as a conjunction when you wanted me not to. So, you know. Um, t take us inside sort of, I mean, I guess there's probably no such thing as sort of a typical um, session, but... How, how do, what are the mechanics of it? You know, you, you show up, um, is there a rehearsal? Are there multiple takes? Um, what, what are some of the specifics about this job that, you know, people that aren't aware of the profession, you know, might not know? I think it, it depends on the type of uh, project you're working on. Mm -hmm. If it's a commercial for broadcast, then yeah, you're showing up to a studio, the clients are either there or phone patched in, you're doing several takes in several different ways, add a little bit more smile this time. Mm -hmm. Now take that away. Be a little bit more serious. Be more calm. Can you say it a little faster? You know, like all of that <laughs> um, happens definitely in any type of commercial session. Um, in the more educational type stuff, uh, that is less so. And also depending on length. So if this is a 40-minute video, you're not going to give them several takes of a 40-minute video. <laughs> you're giving them one finished audio Not file. without destroying your right, instrument. Right, exactly. Anyway, right, exactly. Um, but if it's, you know, if it's a 90-second explainer, yeah, you might do, you know, three or four takes of the same script over and over again. Um, and with the, the more educational material, it's not uncommon for you to be doing it on your own, not in a in a supervised session or directed session. Um, so it kind of depends on, on the project. Um, each one is a, a little bit different. There, I, there isn't really like a stereotypical, you know, medical narration yeah. or pharma thing, but I, I think they fall into a couple of different categories. I would say, though, and I'm sure, Joey, this is true for you, too. Um, one of the things I pride myself on is doing my homework before I get into the booth. Mm -hmm. So assuming the session is with somebody else, with an engineer or with a client or multiple people in the you know client room, um, I've done my homework, so I know that script really well, and mm -hmm. I come prepared with any questions or have asked them ahead of time so that I'm not wasting anybody's time when I'm in there. And um, it's, you know, it just means that the whole session goes so much more smoothly, and you want to be really respectful of, of other people's time. And then they come away really impressed that, wow, she, you know, she knows her stuff. She came prepared. She had some intelligent questions. Um, and sometimes if when we're doing it on our own, I may find that, especially with an opening or with a closing, there are different ways you can deliver it. There's yeah, a different, agree. you know, maybe... Different energy. Different, a different energy, right. a different attitude, a different intonation. Um, and in advance of, of working on a project um, where I'm going to be recording on my own, I'll send test samples to make sure that I found the right tone that of what the client is looking for. Or they'll listen to 
you know, my range of my work on my website and have a, a reference of, we really liked how you sounded with this particular, on that particular piece that you did for, you know, whomever. Or also, I think uh, if you have um, one script, but like the closing paragraph is like the goodbye, you may give them one file of the big body of the paragraph, but that closing paragraph or sentence, you'll give them like a couple of read, different reads of that, you know, depending on how they want the, the, the piece to close. Um, openings are, are very similar. That's a good point about openings and closings. Tend to, you could, there's many ways you can welcome, welcome somebody to a video or thank them for watching. Um, but the, the body probably tends to be similar in delivery, but you're right. I, I give a couple of reads of, of welcomes and thank yous. <laughs> um, it strikes me from a lot of what um, both of you have said so far that, you know, we, we, we came into this from the angle of like, well, you know, pharma is so unique and, you know, you've got all this stuff that you can say and you can't say and risk information and these technical terms. It really sounds like preparing for a pharma or healthcare assignment for both of you is very similar to preparing for any assignment. You know, you do your homework ahead of time, you map it out and you, you go in and you nail it the way you would, you know, and, a soda ad or, you know, whatever. And practice ahead of time, complicated mm-hmm. phrases and mm-hmm. words. Um, if you if you're lucky enough to get the script ahead of time, which the educational stuff you do, but and sometimes in commercial work you don't always get it until you show up. But if you get it ahead of time, um, that gives you the time to research terminology and uh, and there's you know pl- thank thank goodness for the internet. <laughs> the, the <laughs> Pronunciation guides, everything else. You know, especially with products or things that. Um, uh, aren't real words, right? That there might right. be the name of a product right. and uh, Zeljohn, right? Exactly. What the hell is so, so trying to figure <laughs> out how how do you say this product and uh, and trying to find other references to it. I've been in sessions before where you know the client is on the line, a few people from uh, you know from the the client, and they don't even agree on how the product name was is pronounced. And they're in the same company. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll do it this way and that right. way and any other way you want. And then you can have it and then you can decide. Yeah. Whether, you know, you guys, you know, children, work it out amongst yourselves. <laughs> Wave on the way out of the studio. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. All right. Um, everything you guys have said about um, preparation and everything else, um, we'd like to throw it out the window and do a little exercise here. Okay. Um, we found, and I know we're not supposed to rustle papers here, but we're going to do it. Um, <laughs> we found authentic. a couple of Those sample are authentic sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. You know, now Carrie, our engineer, is cringing. But, um, we found two sample pharma scripts with instructions that were given, and we'd love to give you guys a shot at reading them and then ask you why you made the choices that you did. But it's very short. It's not going to be eight hours worth. So, (laughs) Joey, you want to go first? Sure. Okay. I would like to read the instructions that were given. The right voice for this project is one of pure compassion, free of any hint of pity. Viewers should feel like they've been introduced to a newfound chance at happiness rather than a new medication. The selected voice talent will help the viewer feel as if they're empowered to explore a new alternative rather than feeling like they've taken a suggestion from a stranger. Okay. With that uh, wonderful, uh, beautifully uh, written introduction, (laughs) Joey. (laughs) When the morning seemed dark, even when the sun is shining, when your bed and the pitch black of your room offer more comfort than a loved one's embrace, when you feel that your soul is tired even in the happiest of moments, if you've struggled with depression before, if you've tried other medications and nothing seems to help, now there's Expectra Hap, an approved antidepressant alternative to most common antidepressants. 
Though users of this medication experience less side effects than with other common antidepressants, side effects may still include dry mouth, blurry vision, itchiness, temporary confusion, temporary euphoria, and temporary increase in anxiety while the body normalizes the medication. You know, it's funny because, you know, printing, printing that out before, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking like, this is clunky. But you, you, know, you kind of softened your, I mean, I assume that's a very yeah. deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you read something like this, do you have sort of a first take? Do you read it a couple times? I mean, yeah, this obviously, like this, we're this a bit time constrained. Yeah, this so, is yeah. a short enough copy that I would do several different takes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I just, the so the direction you gave me, right, like warm, comforting, but without pity. Yeah. Um, uh, so that, that immediately softened my delivery. I, I got closer to the mic to make it more intimate, right? <laughs> so those are all kind of things that you do um, in in sessions, for sure. Debbie, you want to give it a shot? Yes, <laughs> This one is for a kid's vitamin. Okay. This uh, one. We need a mom or dad style of voice who sounds like they're in their early 30s. They're lighthearted about the struggle of feeding picky eaters, but serious about wanting to make sure their kiddos, they do have kiddos here, Mm -hmm. are getting the nutrients they need to stay healthy. The project is for an internet video ad. The voice actor will will bring the scene to life with a conversational pace and a witty sense of humor. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) These kids are the pickiest eaters. I'm worried my little ones aren't getting the vitamins in their diet that they need. I sometimes get away with hiding the occasional carrot in a casserole that they'll actually eat, but it doesn't happen often enough. My doctor recommended Vitafun children's vitamins. They're gummy and delicious, and my kids just love them. Now they get a snack, and I get the reassurance that they're full of the vitamins they need. Now, if only adult vitamins were this delicious. Side effects may include arrhythmia, faintness, and moderate to severe amnesia, flushing of the face, dry mouth, blurry vision, visual distortions of white spots, nausea and vomiting, constipation, muscle twitches, confusion, euphoria, sedation, itchiness, and increased anxiety. Can I do that again? (laughs) (laughs) This vitamin sounds terrible. (laughs) That's the thing. There was was no other risk information. I kind of figured it would be cheating if only one of you got some risk information. So I pulled that from some random drug. Um, You know, it's kind of like that old Saturday Night Live ad, you know, do not taunt happy fun ball and the list of, you know, these ridiculous things. But that was, you know, what, what the choice that you made to kind of have that sort of, you know, reaffirming, but yet sort of, okay, almost a tiny bit of exasperation. Is that just, I mean, you see the script and that's what it called for. Yeah, right. You see the script, you see the, you know, the, the way, the way that it's written, there's a little humor in there. There's exclamation marks, um, the focus on now they get a snack and I get the reassurance, you know, it's sort of the, you know, the, you know, it's like the problem solution. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's them and it's me. It's what their needs are and what my needs are, you know. Um, So you balance it out. Yeah, that was fun. But I would want to do that, uh, the side effects thing uh, again. (laughs) And also one one thing, you know, know, nobody can see this, obviously, but on both of the pages, there's a big phrase that says accelerate voice, you know, for all the risk information. You guys did that just so naturally. I'm sure if we timed you, there would be a different pacing. But, you know, I guess it's sort of a second nature at this point. So did we book the work? <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> Good. All right. Just a couple quick lightning round questions for you both, and then uh, we'll go. Um, and again, love to get responses from everybody here. Um, what was the most difficult pharma term that you've needed to pronounce? Or medical term or anything uh, anything that from the memory. Uh, I, that's just it. You don't hold on to it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's literally in the moment and then you move on to the next thing. Like I couldn't even tell you, I, I don't remember because 
Unless, I, unless you have one. Debbie. No, no, it's, cause, it's the same cause, thing. Because you, you don't hold on. It's just like reading anything else. Like if I asked you, uh, so you've probably done your taxes recently. Which bullet point on your tax form really gave you a hard time? Like, just, well, I don't know. Three C. Come on. You know, I like. I don't know. I just I did it. And I moved on. Um, so yeah, I think just anything that is. Uh, like, like I said before, not a natural word or a real word mm-hmm. um, or a phrase that is 16 syllables sometimes, you know, like a term. Um, those can be really tricky, not only to figure out wh- what syllable to emphasize and sometimes multiple syllables to emphasize on a huge, you know, word like that, mm-hmm. um, but also where to breathe in scripts. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes they forget um, that we have to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Seems important. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 unfortunately, I can't think of a single phrase or word that I've struggled with. But um, if you'd given us a cheat sheet you know, and let us prepare, <laughs> we would have come a, in a with non, a whole A litany. non-medical term that I, I struggle with, and I know a lot of other voice talent do too, is the word digital. Because um, it's it's so many. Um, it's hard. It's digital. hard. Mm-hmm. It's because it's all, all front of the teeth. Um, and so, like, trying to get the word digital to sound uh, conversational and natural can be challenging sometimes. Yeah. But. Right. Um, how about this? What was the strangest direction that you've received? <laughs> well, I think the strangest one that I received was um, <clears throat> Debbie, can you give us a little less ginger? And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, ginger. Ginger's a spice. What is ginger? <laughs> ginger. It could be. It could be hot. It could be. All right. What, what's he? What, what's he really asking for here? And then I heard him say the rest of the phrase, and a uh, little less ginger and a little more Marianne. I was like, okay, I know what he wants. I'm old enough. I watched plenty of Gilligan's Island. He wants less movie star and more girl next door. <laughs> so I took away the movie star and right. I gave him the girl next door. Yeah. <laughs> is there one fat uh, out? Joey jumps out um, for you. Not really, no. It's it's they, they tend to kind of stick within a spectrum of uh, more authoritative, more warm, friendly, smiling, uh, intelligent. You know those kinds of things. I mean, the one you referenced earlier was like you know more happy. Like, right. Know, yeah. Yeah. Be, be somebody happier. told me that I just go way in the wrong direction. All of a sudden, I'd be talking. <laughs> right. 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 And and that's the challenge is like especially if they say like uh, we want it to sound exciting, but you can't be loud or speak fast. Right. So like it's all in energy. Because I can talk really slow, but tell you how excited I am, right? So, like, it's all in an energy without being loud or 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 fast. But oftentimes, and you know, we we joke amongst ourselves in the in, in the industry about this, you know, about crazy wacky directions we get because sometimes they are diametrically opposed. Like they'll right. ask us to speed up. We need you to speed up, but sound like you're like slow don't rush don't rush but don't rush but (laughs) but, but speed up you have to hurry hurry up here or um you know can you sound a little we need you to sound a little taller (laughs) really taller uh you know or what are some of the other wackadoodle ones Um, the 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 things that sound contradictory you get a lot um, to, to a certain extent, I mean, do you learn to ignore kind of the outlier comments like that? I think not ignore. You try and understand what they're really trying to tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of taking direction um, is kind of decoding. Like, so what does what does more energy, excitement from you mean? Does that mean you want me just to smile more? Does that mean that you want me to get, you know, higher in my register? Yeah. Or like, you know, what, what does that mean from you? So it's a little bit of trial and error to see like, okay, so I changed it this way. And you definitely didn't like that. So now we're going to try it this way. Oh, okay. So now I've, I've see where you like the the read. And so it's, it's a little bit of tri- trial and error. But a lot, a lot of it is kind of 
decoding what you meant by that direction? I think that's a, a common problem for artists of any kind. Uh, in fact, I wrote a blog post about this, you know, lost in translation and how one communicates to an artist, whether it's a visual artist or a voice artist or a composer, what it is that their creative vision is. So there's a divide between what the person who is asking for you to asking you to do. And then there is a divide between the words that they use and whatever image that they're seeing in their head or hearing in their head, and then how you receive that. So as Joey says, you really do have to decode that. And oftentimes people don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. And they don't know it until they hear it or they know what they don't want. So um, it's very helpful to have references, whether it's from our own work or references that people hear of, you know, other actors, well-known actors or movies they've seen. You know, we want it to sound like this. Or if you're doing a project that's um, redoing what somebody else did, you want to know what they didn't like about that other read. Um, you know, what are you trying to get away from? So there are lots of different ways of triangulating to the truth mm -hmm. of what it is that they're hoping to hear. Right. Just one last question for you, and this is one that for some reason popped into my head, so it's almost certainly ignorant. What is your favorite word to say? Favorite word? You see something on a on a script or you know in a block of text. What is a word that you really enjoy having roll off your tongue? You know, I, I don't think it's a word, but when it's well written copy, yes. Oh, it is a joy. Yes. It is a joy when something is really well written um, and just feels and it feels like it's written so well it feels like actual human interaction. Like mm -hmm. this is how I would normally say it, you know, or this is how uh, I don't know, just a well written script. Uh, makes yeah. you. I mean, this is the nerd yes. in me, but like, it I, makes I, you so excited. No, I, how often do you do? Do you get something like that? You know, it's, one in ten, one in thirty. Um, I don't know. It depends on the on the genre. Right. Uh, a lot of commercial copies written very cleverly, mm -hmm. um, and but you know, with with things like uh, medical narration, right? They have to be very technical. Mm -hmm. Um, but even that, you know, it has there's a skill set in that in in communicating technical things in a uh, an easy, conversational, casual way. So you just, you appreciate both, I think. I will say sort of the flip side of that question, uh, one of the hardest words I find is welcome. So I'll start, right, with my, well. I'll probably do 20 takes of yeah. welcome, like welcome, 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 or even the thank you at the mm -hmm. end. It's like, Thank you. Thank you. You know, or it, you know, you do it and I'm like, does that sound right? Does that sound warm? Does that sound like I'm really am standing up there welcoming these people? It, they're simple words, but sometimes we obsess over, ironically, the simplest of words. Yeah. Digital and, and digital. digital. <laughs> and, and, and we often, something else I think people don't think about is we physicalize a lot while we're voicing. So like when I say the word welcome, I literally will take my hand like, Welcome. <laughs> like, come on welcome. in. Yeah, welcome. welcome. Uh, to help it make it sound more more natural. This was extremely, extremely cool. Um, hopefully we didn't sound like complete ignoramuses about some Not of our questions. It's a, it's a profession that, you know, we don't know a lot about. And you guys obviously do it quite well. My God, just those readings alone. Uh, Debbie, Joey, if I can't thank you enough for coming in here and talking with us. Um, this podcast will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. For the MMNM podcast, this is Larry Dobrow. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.